Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. As Christians, our focus can often be on futile, insignificant, and petty things. Our lives are not about the food we eat, or the things we drink, or the clothes we wear, or the songs we sing, or the coffee we drink, or the kinds of chairs we sit in at church. Our lives are, in fact, about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 14 and learn how to avoid pettiness and frivolity and walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a uh, Friday afternoon here in Texas. It's around uh, 5.30 in the afternoon and uh, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It is hot here in Texas. I mean, uh, I mean, just, I mean, it, it's so hot, the air conditioning can't keep up. It's, I mean... And it's been like that for a few days, and it's 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 a little hot here in the studio. So forgive me if I'm sweating a little bit, um, but man, it's okay to be sweating a little bit because I mean we we're in the the back half of Romans 14. Lord willing, we'll do 13 to 23 today, and it's uh, I mean it's good stuff. It's important stuff. It's stuff that we deal with as Christians. Uh, these are extremely important issues that. Uh, that, that, that we have in the church right now and things that need to be addressed. And so that's, that's the beauty of, of teaching verse by verse by verse through the scriptures. Obviously, there's a time to do topical, but expositional preaching where you just go through a book and teach every verse in the book and teach the doctrine that's in the verse, um, you know, and, and most importantly, teach the, the application, right? And once you have the doctrine in order, uh, really the reason we have the scriptures is so that we would adjust not only our belief, but our lifestyle to everything that the scriptures say, right? Living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. The meaning of life is growing to know and live for Jesus Christ our Lord more and more and more. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. Father, I thank you for air conditioning, Lord, on these days where it's 104, 105, 106, 107 degrees here in Texas, Lord. We just, we thank you, Lord, for air conditioning, Lord. We thank you for cool air to push back the hot air, Lord. We just, we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible book of Romans, Father. We thank you for the tremendous revelation in this book, Lord, and in the entire word of God. But above all that, Father, even above that, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we worship you today. We praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We earnestly thank you, Lord, for becoming a human man for us for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live, for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen today. 
and we worship you, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. You, 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 you cannot speak about Jesus enough. You cannot think about Jesus enough. Just in the last week, I was reminding several brothers and sisters in Christ, if you can make one adjustment, and, I, and, I, and I'll say this all the days of my life, Lord willing, if you, if you want to make one adjustment today, just one adjustment, start using the name Jesus more and more and more. Every place you would normally use the word God, replace it with the name Jesus. Jesus. Obviously, we have a triune God, right? One being, three separate individual distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We, we don't have relationship with what something is. What he is, is God. Who he is, is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't have relationship with what someone is, but with who someone is, with their person. That's the only way it can be personal, right? See, that was worth the price of admission since you tuned in, right? So it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Our relationship isn't with God, with what he is. Our relationship is with who he is. We have relationship with God the Father, relationship with God the Son, Jesus, and relationship with God the Holy Spirit only and in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the more Jesus is on your lips, the more the name Jesus is on your lips, the more you talk less about God and more about Jesus, the more you'll grow to know Jesus, the more you'll grow to love him, the more you'll grow to know his love for you, the more you'll grow to obey him. And Lord willing, he can come before this teaching ends. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Romans 14, verses 13 to 23. Paul speaking, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that, were, that will cause your brother to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything 
that does not come from faith is sin. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I was just speaking to our senior elder, Tom, and we were just discussing just, you know, how we might grow and mature in actively trusting Jesus with every aspect of our lives presently in this life, right? As Christians, most of us have learned to trust Jesus with our sin, right? We know how to trust Jesus with our sin and with eternity um, and with heaven, right? We trust him, so to speak, for the next life. But truly growing and maturing and trusting him and relying on him in this life, you know, in, in every aspect of this life, with our felt, with our uh, with our health, with our, you know, with our spouses, with our children, with our finances, with our work, with our problems, with our fears, with our anxieties, um, trusting Jesus with the details of this life, all the while, you know, doing, you know, all the things we need to be doing responsibly, but truly trusting him and relying on him is, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's, an, it's a lifelong endeavor and it takes work. And I would imagine everyone who hears me say that would say, yeah, it is, it is sometimes hard for me to genuinely trust Jesus with every situation, with every circumstance, with every problem, with every blessing, with every person that comes into my life, right? But Paul says he ends this chapter by saying, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. And that's what we were discussing uh, Tom and I were discussing just how, you know, how often it would appear to us um, that that we have said something or done something that really was not in faith. And so it, just trying to consider the sin in our lives, that's not from anything that we have overtly done, but a, a sin of omission, so to speak, because we've omitted faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. And again, uh, we're not going to super spiritualize this now, but um, we do want to live our lives in faith and not not contrary to faith. Okay, Um, and we'll get into more of what that means. So, all right. Verse one. I'm sorry. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. So again, Paul is speaking here now about being judgmental and critical about disputable matters. Okay, he's talking about some people will, you know, some people will only eat vegetables for religious reasons. Right. Because they have not come into the fullness. They're saved, but they have not come into the fullness of the grace of God where they can, you know, where they're where their, their belief in Christ and in the grace of Christ will allow them in good conscience to, to eat meat, okay, uh, that isn't kosher or that's been sacrificed to an idol or whatever it is. Um, and so for them, it violates their conscience. And for them, it is indeed sin. And Paul's going to say that in verse 14. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. So Paul says it right there. No food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. So again, if if you have what Paul calls a weaker faith in this one aspect, and for you, it really bothers you, and you believe that God is not pleased with you, that your heavenly Father is not pleased, that Jesus is not pleased with you, that the Holy Spirit is not pleased with you, 
because you're, you know, you're eating meat, then until you get into that freedom, do not violate your conscience and and don't eat meat. If you if you if it really if it really bothers you, if you if you feel a sense of guilt or shame from drinking a glass of wine or or having a beer, then then for you, if 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 you don't believe that that you know that you have the freedom to to have alcohol, um, then then don't have it. Okay. Um, now again. It's, it's important that we understand that, that Paul is only speaking about disputable matters here, okay? It's, it's, it, the vast majority of the scripture is not disputable, okay? Yes, it's okay uh, to, to, to have meat, okay? It's not okay to be a glutton, right? It's okay to drink wine or have a beer, okay? It's sinful to get drunk, okay? Um, you know, um, <clears throat> Sexual immorality is always sinful, okay? Lying is always sinful. Stealing is always sinful. Um, you know, um, and so what he's speaking about here when he says, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another, um, just when it comes to disputable matters. Now, in our day, it may not be the disputable matter of meat or drinking wine, although it may be, but maybe it's the disputable matter of the, the kind of music that you you sing in church, maybe it's the disputable matter, as I said last time, of uh, you know of whether you have a coffee bar or whether you know whether you're allowed to have coffee. Um, maybe it's disputable matter of whether some people stand up during worship. Some people may raise their hands during worship. Some people may stay seated during worship. So, you know, these are all disputable matters. Okay. Um, Paul says, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's, and he means brother or sister's way. So if you know, so if you're in church and you know that it, that it just, it really is going to bother the guy next to you or the lady next to you, if you stand up and start bellowing at the top of your lungs, then you know what? Don't put a stumbling block in their way. Okay. Now, listen, this is important. This doesn't mean that we're going to allow all the legalistic Christians to totally overrun us and control our lives. So there, there is a balance. That's not what being said here. Okay. We have freedom to stand and worship and to praise God and to, and to raise our arms, right? Maybe you want to dance or something in the aisle. Um, you, you, you have the freedom to do that. Okay. Um, but again, it's, it's a good thing for us to, to restrain our freedoms if it's going to lead someone else into being bitter or angry or judgmental or frustrated. Does that make sense? So again, it doesn't mean that we're going to allow these people, um, you know, who, you know, who are very controlling and legalistic in these things and who are bothered about seemingly many things. It doesn't mean they're going to control every aspect of of the church or our walk with Christ, but it does mean that we don't want to put any obstacle in their way, right? If someone comes to your house and you know that they're dead set against alcohol, so don't drink that night. It doesn't mean you don't, you don't, you know, when they leave, if you want to have a beer, go ahead. But while they're there, then, you know, if it's really going to bother their conscience, then don't do it. If someone comes to your house and they believe it's wrong for you to eat meat, then you know what? Just have a salad that night, right? And then have your steak or your hamburger or your hot dog or your chicken or your bacon when they're not there. Okay. Does that make sense? All right. 
as one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Okay, Paul, fully convinced, okay? He's certain. So right there, we can eat anything, okay? But if for you, if you believe it's displeasing to God and you haven't gotten to that place of freedom yet, then, then don't eat, which you don't think you're supposed to. Now, again, this is speaking only for religious reasons. Someone who doesn't eat meat for health reasons, that has nothing to do with this, that's fine. OK, um, a lot of people won't eat certain things, but it has nothing to do with their walk with God. They're doing it because they want to they want to live a more healthy life. And certainly that's fine. It's a good thing. OK. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. So, again, don't violate your conscience. If if, if you're convicted, you shouldn't eat it, then don't eat it until the time should come that you do have the freedom to do it without being bothered. Verse 15, if your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Now this doesn't mean that you know by you eating, you're gonna destroy him and he's not gonna be saved and he's gonna go to hell. It simply means you're gonna, you're gonna destroy him. And what Paul means there is you're gonna, you're gonna lead him into a sinful state, okay? Um, if your brother is distressed, verse 15, because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. So again, on disputable matters, if we're leading our brothers and sisters in Christ into just being stressed and frustrated and anguish, then we're not acting in love. We ought to be willing to make a sacrifice, you know, during the times that we're around these brothers or sisters, that we're not going to be that way. Now, we're not going to let them impose their beliefs on all of our life and all of our existence. But in the times that we're around a brother or sister that, that, that has a certain proclivity and is really distressed about, you know, that, you know what, I don't think you ought to have that coffee in here, right? This is the Lord's house. And, you know, you know, leave your coffee drinking for when you come out. And, and for me, this wouldn't be easy, but to say, that's a, that's a good word, sir, I'm sorry, and to go ahead and take the coffee and finish it outside or, or whatever it is. Um, and so uh, the point is, when, we're, when our behavior or our freedom that, that, that we feel free in Christ, that was paid for by Christ, which is legitimate freedom, if, if someone else doesn't understand that, when you're in their presence then restrain and sacrifice that freedom for the love of your brother and sister. Does that make sense? Bam. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Do not, by your reading, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Again, it simply means lead him down a road of sin and anger and bitterness and frustration, right? Verse 16. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil, right? I mean, if you're walking in a freedom and you enjoy that glass of wine or you, you just enjoy a nice, juicy, plump steak, if, if you like standing in worship, dancing in the aisle, praising God with your hands, you know, uh, you know, lifted up. And if you know that, that someone is distressed about that and you know that they're going to speak evil of it, you have in that way led them into sin. Does that make sense? Right. Again. This is not to say they need to control, they, they, that the legalistic people in the church are going to control what, what all the freedoms that we have, but do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Again, if, if your freedom that you know was purchased for you at Christ in this moment, at this time, wherever you are, 
is going to lead this person to speak evil of what you're doing, right? And in so doing, this person is going to act sinfully because they're going to speak evil against something that, that Jesus has given, then it's not loving and you shouldn't allow it, right? Now, again, this is a, this is, this is a real issue in the body of Christ. This is a, a real issue in the church today where, you know, we are stubborn. Uh, we're certainly prideful. We're hard-headed. Certainly I have been. Forgive me, Lord. And, uh, you know, we're going to do what we want to do, all right? This is what sacrificial Christ-centered love is about. Does that make sense? All right. Verse 17, now here it is right here. Verse 17 has application to really everything we do in this life. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and as I've said, I, I, I have failed in this. Recently, I have failed to, to follow these things. I'll be talking to other other church leaders, and I mean, they are particular about certain things, okay? About things that just, that, that, that really, you know, ought not be an issue. Like, like there are brothers and sisters and church leaders who, who still want women to, to wear a covering on their head or to wear a bonnet on their head or to wear that scarf or whatever that is that they put on their head, right? Um, and they really want them to do that and that they, they still need to wear a dress that's down to the floor. Now, obviously, we shouldn't be wearing scanty attire, right? We shouldn't be, be, be wearing anything that's not, you know, that's not appropriately covering our body as men or women. But, but at the same time, you know, does, does the dress have to you know, you know, drag the floor. Um, if a part of the lady's ankle showing, is that too much? But for some people, it really is. And, you know, I, I you know, I really want to say, and I have said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking and head coverings and clothes. Okay. But it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. You could see Paul just like partly just, just off his rocker, okay? It's not about food, okay? It's, it's, it's not about, you know, uh, you know just, just all the ways that we organize things. It's not about having our own way in worship. It's not about coffee. It's not about the songs we're singing, okay? I'm sure that there's importance in all these things. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what it's about. The kingdom of God is about righteousness in Jesus. Having received the righteousness of Jesus and living a righteous life in Jesus Christ. Peace. Having received the peace of Christ and the forgiveness of our sins and being an instrument of peace in and for Jesus Christ our Lord, wherever we go and with whomever we're with, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wow. And joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is about walking in the joy that can only come in and through Jesus Christ our Lord and by his Holy Spirit. Remember, when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, came to live in you. And the Holy Spirit's desire is that you walk in the joy 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's what the kingdom of God is about and spreading that everywhere. That's the fullness of the kingdom of God. It's not about your food, your drink, your steak, your wine, your clothes. You see what I'm saying? I mean, we get caught up on the most ridiculous things, okay? It's not about eating and drinking. So if I have to make a sacrifice so I can help bring righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, let's do that. Bam. Verse 18, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. When you'll focus like this, when you'll serve Jesus in this way, then it is pleasing to your heavenly father. It's pleasing to Jesus. It's pleasing to the Holy Spirit. And it's a blessing to everyone else. Of course, yes, it is approved by men because again, you're not passing judgment on disputable matters. You're focused on righteousness, peace, Enjoy in the Holy Spirit. So let's let's all begin to do that more and more and more, especially those of us who are in leadership in the church. Especially, the the irony is, as in leadership positions in the church, whether we're pastors or deacons or elders or bishops or you know ministry leaders or whatever we are, we are often worse than the normal everyday congregant that comes to church when it comes to these things. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Is that your lifestyle today? Do you have a lifestyle? Let us therefore make every effort. What do those three words mean? Make every effort. It clearly means work as hard as you can. Try as hard as you can. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Again, this is what mature biblical Christianity looks like, and it's hard to find, okay? Um, You know, there are some of us, okay, that that get to it now and again, okay? But, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I I have so, so far to go in my life. Um, I don't know anyone who does this. I know countless church leaders, countless elders, countless pastors. And, and all of us, of course, think we're doing pretty good, right? It's, it, that's, that's the deception. We actually think we do this pretty well. And it's hard for us to see, you know, where we're not doing it. Okay. That's why we need one another. Okay. And, and again, if you're hearing me say this today and you think that you don't have a problem with this, that is a surefire certain reason that you do, all right? Let that sink in, okay? If you've heard everything I've said today and you actually believe in your mind that you're doing all these things very well, that is an absolute certainty that you are not, okay? Um, one of the hardest things for us to do, and again, particularly when we get into leadership positions, not only in the church, but in the workforce, right? Sometimes as bosses, we just think we know what's up. Sometimes as pastors or elders, we think we have the revelation because we have the title or position. It's ridiculous, okay? Understanding and revelation has literally nothing to do with our title, has nothing to do with our position. It has to do with our walk and our diligence with Jesus. Now, if we are in a leadership position, we ought to have that, but that by no means guarantees it because we do have a position, right? All right. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food, 
All food is clean, but it is wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Okay, so we've talked about this. Everything is clean, but you know what? If anything you eat or drink or any specific behavior that you have a freedom to do is going to cause a brother to stumble, then, then that's wrong for us to do it. It's sin, right? And again, so again, this, this has taken our walk with Christ and how we live for Jesus and serve one another just to a higher level. You see that? All food is clean, but it's wrong for a man to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else, verse 21, that will cause your brother to fall. So, so again, there it is. Again, this doesn't mean, I've said this, what, three times now, four times, that, that legalistic people are going to dominate and control our lives, okay? Those that, that have all these parameters. But what it does mean, it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother your brother to fall, it means your brother or sister. So again, when we're in the church, when we're together, when we're around other brothers and sisters, in that time, if there's a particular thing you're going to eat or if you're going to drink something um, that's going to cause them to stumble, okay, then it'd be better not to do it or to do anything else. And again, it's, you know, sometimes I'll be a little gregarious. Sometimes I could be a little loud and, and I, I'm just completely unaware of it. And I have done this unwittingly and caused folks to stumble. I can be, I can be joking around, um, or sometimes I can just be so forceful that I, I, I can be, I can be rude, right, or disrespectful. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. And certainly, anyone listening to this, I've probably done it to everyone listening to this. I ask you to forgive me. Um, you know, so whatever it is, right. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother to fall. So again, your mind. And your heart needs to be on what's best. And again, that's what the more mature believer should always be doing. The more mature believer should always be considering others. That's how you know who the more mature believer is. Okay. That's how you know who the father is, so to speak. Okay. If, if you or I are spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers and people are consistently having to dance around us, then clearly we know uh, there, there's an immaturity in our walk in whatever specific way, you know, we're discussing. It doesn't mean that everything is out of place, but the more mature believer is going to be the one who's practicing these things more and more often. Verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. So again, if you happen to believe and know that these things are freedom, it doesn't mean that you can't lovingly encourage someone if they have questions, but Again, don't get in an argument, don't be judgmental, don't be critical, don't, don't be insistent that you're right in your freedoms. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Again, by me demanding what I know to be a freedom and I know what, you know, uh, what's right and I know that, that I get to do all these things in Christ, um, you know, uh, condemnation is going gonna, is gonna to come my way. I'm condemning myself by, by demanding my own rights and leading my brother or sister to stumble, right? Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Verse 23, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats. You see that? So again, 
if, if, if it really does bother you to eat something and you don't have that freedom, then don't do it. OK, condemned. It simply means that, you know, that that you, you've come under sin it has nothing to do with your salvation, nothing to do with heaven or hell. It just simply means it's sinful for you. Right. But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. So there it is again. So again, if in faith you can have a drink, you can have a glass of wine, you can have a beer, okay? Um, you know, uh, the Bible doesn't forbid that. It does forbid getting drunk. It does, for you know, uh, forbid gluttony, okay? Um, because his eating is not from faith. But if it is, if it really does convict you that you're not supposed to eat, then for you, you shouldn't eat that meat. Or drink that wine. And there it is. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. And again, that's something we really need to think about. Okay. So anytime that we're not, we're not doing something or thinking about something, or when we go against faith, when we know, you know, when we're convicted, when our consciousness is convicted, when we don't have the faith for something, or we're not, it doesn't mean that again, doesn't mean that we're always going to have faith to do everything. Okay, it simply means that, you know, uh, that whenever we're doing something and we're convicted that it's it's not of God, it's not of Christ and it's wrong, then that's sin. Right. If we know it's not an appropriate part of the Christian faith based on the word of God and the son of God, then it is indeed sin. Right. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you again, Father, for this incredible chapter. I ask you to forgive us, Father. Forgive me again where I have, I have caused others to stumble seemingly many times. I ask you to help me, Father. Help us one and all, Father, to live more Christ-centered and other-centered and loving lives toward our brothers and sisters in Christ and all that we do. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Give us eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, and hearts to understand him. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.